You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. In our discussion tonight, we will examine the events that led to the Battle of Uhud, which was the second major war in Islam. If you remember from previous discussions, the Quraysh of Mecca, they were subject to severe humiliation after the Battle of Badr. They had so much arrogance, they thought they would go and defeat the Muslims instantaneously only to be defeated by the Muslims and if you remember Abu Sufyan he banned the people of Mecca from mourning their dead and that was aimed at building resentment, anger and frustration in their hearts so they would go with full force seek revenge from the Muslims. In addition to that, there was a chief instigator who was really instrumental in the battle of Uhud. This man was a person by the name of Ka'b ibn Ashraf. Ka'b ibn Ashraf, he came from a Jewish tribe. His mother was Jewish, but he himself professed to be an idolater. It seemed that he worshipped the idols, but he came from Jewish roots. Despised the Prophet and the Muslims, he was very unhappy that Islam was becoming more and more powerful and the Prophet was having a greater presence in the Arabian Peninsula. At the same time, he enjoyed the protection of the Islamic State in Medina because remember the Prophet made a treaty with them. He did not meet any harm in the Battle of Badr. The Muslims actually went to fight to protect the community of Medina. So he really benefited from the policies of the Prophet, but he had a lot of hatred. So what did he do? After the Battle of Badr, he went to Mecca and he started to mobilize the pagans of Quraysh against the Prophet. You know, historical accounts tell us he went to Mecca, he started shedding crocodile tears, you know, these evil Muslims and what they're doing and we need to seek revenge. And he was really instrumental in giving that resolve to the Meccans to fight the Muslims. The Meccans did plan on seeking revenge one day, but they really did not know how, when, what to do. Ka'b ibn Ashraf, he really gave them the determination to go now and do something. And you know one of the evil things that he did? He went to the Meccans and he, he's very shameful. He started describing the Muslim woman to the pagans. He told them, these Muslim women, they're the most beautiful women you'll ever see. And he begins to give specific, you know, uh, descriptions and he even begins to mention them, you know, the wife of X person, the wife of X person. And if you go and kill these Muslims, well, guess what? What will you get? They're women. They can be taken as captives of war. They'll be your slaves. You bring them to Mecca and they'll serve you. So he used unethical tactics, really, to mobilize the Quraysh 
to go and fight the Muslims. I'm like, you know what? If that's the case, that's a good idea. Let's go fight them and, and grab these beautiful women. So this man played a very dirty role in mobilizing them against the, um, the Muslims. So the Quraysh, they find new strength. They're determined to fight the Muslims. They go and mobilize other tribes. Safwan ibn Umayyah and Akrama ibn Abi Jahl, they came up with the following idea. They're like, look, Abu Sufyan, when he was coming back right before the Battle of Bad, he was carrying the wealth of Quraysh. Remember how Badr ha happened? He had that caravan carrying that immense wealth and the battle happened. They're like, let's use that wealth. Anyone who has a share in that caravan, let's use the wealth to fund this war. If we, the Quraysh, fund this war financially, we think other tribes are going to join us and collaborate. And this was actually a successful move by Quraysh in getting the support of other tribes. So when they agreed, they're like, let's use this money to mobilize these tribes around Mecca. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verse 36 of Surah Al-Anfal. Those who disbelieve. They give their money in order to stop the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then look at the beautiful description of the verse. He says they will spend all this money, but this money on the day of judgment and possibly even here in this life will be a major source of regret. And this is a lesson for us, my dear brothers and sisters. Many hadiths indicate that one of the sources of regret on the day of judgment, why did I spend this money in a haram cause? In a cause that disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I wish I didn't have that money. At least I couldn't do that much damage. Allah says all that money that they spent in mobilizing the people against the Prophet, this will be a hasra, a source of regret and remorse for them on the day of judgment. So Allah reveals that verse, you know, exposing their plans. So the chiefs of Quraysh, they realize that we need to mobilize these armies. So they go to the tribe of Kanana, and the tribe of Thaqif and they elicit their help and they tell them look just come we'll provide for everything camels, horses, swords, armors, we will fund this war and you guys don't believe in Muhammad anyway you're idolaters like us you worship the idols so why not? So they agreed. Many of those tribes specifically Kanana and Tahama they decide to join them. When they did that, some narrations indicate historical references, they managed to mobilize 4,000 fighters. That's a lot. That's quadruple the number they managed to mobilize at Bad. So you had a massive army. In fact, they even brought 2,000 Abyssinian slaves with them to fight at that battle. Do you know what else they did? They brought women. For the first time, the Arabs took out their women to the battle. This was such an important war for them. They told their women, come. And you know what the idea was? First of all, to have the women mobilize them, cheer them as cheerleaders, exactly. And that's exactly what happened. When they were fighting, they would go between their lines and they would cheer them. 
Number two, can you guess why they took their woman to the battlefield? They don't want them to be enslaved. They don't want to, well, blacks, they will be enslaved if they lose the battle. See, basically the idea of taking out woman to the battlefield is look, you have no option but to win. Because if you lose this battle, your woman will be given to the Muslims. And that's something you will try to avoid at all costs. These were effective te techniques, by the way. Logistically, they were very effective. Because when you go to the battlefield and your women are there, you're gonna fight till the last breath. Because you know if you lose this battle, forget it, your women are taken away from you. So to make sure that every fighter fights till the last breath, they took the woman with them. Same. Yes. No, no, they weren't fighting, but they were there in the battlefield cheering them. But remember, when you bring women to the battlefield, if you lose the battle, what happens? They take the woman. So bringing the woman encouraged the Meccans to do their best to win. Because when their women are there, they're like, look, we, we can't accept an outcome of defeat. So we'll fight till the last breath. This was to ensure they wouldn't flee the battlefield. Because look, when you see a massive army in front of you, like at bed, when they saw that army in front of them and the angels shooting or whatever, they fled, they fled the battlefield. Well, Abu Sufyan knew that fleeing is not an option at Uhud. So how do I guarantee that they don't flee? Bring the woman. When you have the woman there, where are they gonna flee? It's shameful for an Arab man to flee and his wife is in the battlefield or the women are in the battlefield. This was a very effective technique. They also promised a lot of those slaves freedom and liberty if they would participate and kill important people. So for example, Wahshi ibn Harb, he was an Abyssinian slave. Abu Sufyan and Hind, by the way Hind was also at the battle of Uhud, the wife of Abu Sufyan, he did bring her. They told him Wahshi, if you manage to kill one of the top Muslim fighters, like Ali ibn Abi Talib or Hamza or even the Prophet himself will free you. So they gave an incentive to the slaves to also fight. Remember the Muslims would not resort to these tactics. They're not going to bring their women. They're not just going to bring slaves, hey fight and we'll, this is unethical. But the pagans used every means at their disposal to, disposal to make sure that they win this war. So they're plotting, now the Muslims at this time they don't know what's going on. They were enjoying the victory they achieved at Bad. When, in, when hadiths indicate, Sunni and Shia hadith indicate, Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet, remember he was taken as a captive, he went back to Mecca, he did not stay in Medina, but in his heart he was a Muslim. He did not declare his Islam, but he was a Muslim in his heart according to a number of traditions. When Abbas sees that the pagans of Quraysh are plotting, to go up to Medina and fight, he writes a letter and he sends it with a man from Bani Ghifar, the same tribe of Abu Dhar. He tells him, I pay you within three days, I want this letter to be hand delivered to the Prophet So the Prophet was in a garden or in some farmland outside of Medina. When this man comes and he gives him a letter, the Prophet opens the letter. Imam al-Sadiq comments here. He says the Prophet would never write, but Allah had given him the knowledge to read. So the Prophet himself, without anyone's help, he read the letter of Abbas. 
Oh my dear nephew, my beloved Muhammad, I want to tell you that the Quraysh are mobilizing a massive army, an unheard of army coming right up to Medina to fight you, beware. The Prophet doesn't say anything to them. He tells them, let's go back to Medina quickly. Once he goes back to Medina and he gathers his companions, he reads the letter for them. He tells them, this is serious, we need to get ready. The pagans are coming and they're marching north in order to fight us.